This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big line? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. Warrior. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. What does it need to master the future? I think to have a platform where all stakeholders of global society are engaged. Governments, business, civil societies, the young generation, and I could go on, I think is a first step to meet all the challenges. Instead of reaching out to the very extreme members of the far right, if Kevin McCarthy wanted to strike a deal with the moderate members of the Democratic Party. That's not something he did. It's not something, quite frankly, Speaker Pelosi was wont to do, reach across the aisle. Um, and I think as we've seen the nation pushing us ever more towards moderation and towards bipartisanship with these tight, tight um, groups of people, I mean, the Senate was was 50-50 in the last cycle. We had a very slim majority for Democrats, now a very slim majority for Republicans. The nation's pushing us towards moderation, and yet when you don't have speakers reaching across the aisle, you have them beholden to the extremes of the party, which is, I think, bad for the country and bad for the moderate center. So if McCarthy chooses to continue moving forward with these extremists, you know, I'm very concerned about the debt ceiling and what that might mean for our ability to raise it. Um, however, I think there will be opportunities for all of us in the House to work together um, to make sure that the, the must-pass legislation gets passed. And, and I think that could be really good for Congress and really good for the country. Good morning, extreme members of the far right. Yes, they would be talking about you, and Davos is obsessed. Do you ever figure out why Davos is so obsessed and the mainstream media is so obsessed uh, with you, this audience? Why are they so obsessed with it? Because uh, you have a power. You have leverage. Uh, they understand that. In the awakening, the great awakening, obviously we have a spiritual great awakening going on, but there's also a great awakening of uh, the deplorables in MAGA of exactly what the power and the leverage that you actually have. It's all about the debt ceiling. And what I mean by that is that the, and that's what Mickey Sherrill, I think she's Naval Academy helicopter pilot from New, I think New Jersey. Um, no moderate. There's nothing moderate at all about the Democrat party. Nothing. Their social platform is the most radical extreme platform ever. She votes in party line with Pelosi all the time. These people are absolute radicals. And they understand that the only way they keep this con going is, it, is the parents have to increase the credit card. Well, hello, parents. We're not going to increase the credit card. But everything you're hearing out of Davos right now, it's all, man, hey, the economy, I think it's coming back. Artificial intelligence is doing this. We've got climate change, these polycrises. But, man, we've got the economy is going to just roar back. And China, Li He, 
who I know extremely well. He was the lead negotiator for the for the uh, Chinese on on the deals on the on the Lighthizer deal that cratered, and then the skinny deal that we got d- done right when Lee Hu and his contingent came over here. After they knew, when the CCP knew that they had a COVID uh, crisis over there, they came here in January of 2020. That was legal. But he's telling us China's back and, you know, we want to be part of the international community and it's got to be globalization, globalization, globalization. So they're completely freaked out about populism. They're completely freaked out about nationalism. They're completely freaked out at every level, at every level about uh, the deplorables in MAGA and America first, actually saying, mm mm not going to do that anymore, and particularly the debt sitting, all these big issues, and sprinkling the 20, you know, the, the the honorable 20, the heroic 20, and of course the magnificent six are being rewarded with major, major, major uh, committee assignments, and that's even freaking them out more. You know, Lauren Boebert is on oversight. You've got uh, Eli, the great Eli Crane is on Homeland Security, which will be the lead of the impeachment of Mallorca. So we're going to get to all that Davos is totally in spin mode. Is Klaus Schwab, is he the best? I mean, you couldn't make up. He's like Santos. If you were in Hollywood and pitched these characters in a, in a, in a, in a meeting with film executives, they'd throw you out of the room. If you, you know, Santos is uh, Zelig meets Forrest Gump meets the talented Mr. Ripley. Right. Uh, that's what we call him, the talented Mr. Santos. Right now he's killing dogs this morning on, on, on Morning Joe. He's a dog. He's killing uh, dogs, innocent dogs. And of course, you got Klaus Schwab, who's a Bond villain. Uh, said Master, <laughs> the master of the future. You notice when he goes through the list of the stakeholders, you notice he doesn't say deplorable. Klaus, come on. Come on, bro. How about the deplorables? Put the deplor- put the MAGA. How about MAGA as a as a as a stakeholder? Because bro, we are a stakeholder. It's called command by negation. Okay? And we're negating a lot. All the madness, including the Ukraine war, this massive the three hundred trillion dollars that you did for your great reset and build back better, right? Three hundred trillion. You got that? With all this happy news, of course, Microsoft announced the day biggest layoffs in the in the country in the company's history. Ten thousand good paying high tech jobs gone. Uh, Goldman Sachs thirty two hundred the other day. Steve Cortez reminds me, biggest layoff Goldman Sachs has ever had, and the and their numbers came out they horrible miss or came out last night horrible miss because expenses out of control, bad bet on consumer. There's more to come. There's more to come in finance and and big tech. More to come and, and many more layoffs. But they're telling you the economy's great. China's going to lead us back. It's all good because they're laying it out. They got to set the predicate. They got David Brooks of the Atlantic. Here's what they're saying. It's so good. And we're roaring back. The only thing that can hurt us is these extremists on the debt ceiling. We're going to get to all that. Let's go to uh, Davos where it's all happening. The railhead of this madness. I want to go to Nor Bin Laden. Nor, can you give us an update on uh, the really the day two of the work there? Uh, what's going on, ma'am? Hi, Steve. Yes, the first thing I'd like to say in response to uh, what you were just saying in your monologue, this is exactly right. They are terrified of a return to the 1776 spirit. This is exactly what they're trying to destroy because what the founding fathers stood for was is the exact antithesis of what the globalists uh, are working so hard to implement for humanity. And so they bring in this panel of anos, as I call them, the Americans in name only, to talk about uh, what's going on in terms of uh, politics in the U.S. 
and uh, the 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 theme, you know, I mean, the 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 title for the panel was America un, you know, in parenthesis bound, and they're talking about the state of politics there and how you have all these extremists. We're all extremists. Anyone who doesn't adhere to this agenda are extremists, and the the messaging has just been. Um, repeated ad nauseum for the past few years and they even manufacture things such as insurrections in order to justify pushing this narrative onto the people and uh, apart from that that uh, that side note of that specific panel all the panels that have been taking place so far very much center around what we've been discussing the last couple of couple of days around the digitization of all aspects of society and that goes hand in hand with climate change, which is the Trojan horse, as I mentioned, which will enable them, thanks to all the advances in technology, the Internet of Things, 5G, um, uh, progress in the science of metrology, uh, that will allow them to measure everything everywhere at all times. And they have then these different panels that go into this um the nitty-gritty of the implementation of such a system whereby we would all be hooked on a grid, but as I mentioned, with a very big focus on climate change. So the different panels range from mastering new energy economics, decarbonization, infrastructure for a clean energy economy, bending the emissions curve. And um, all of this is tied in further with twinning energy with digital building momentum towards COP28, again, uh, with regards to climate um, change. So uh, this is very much the rollout of the different ways or the different uh, angles through which they will implement such a system whereby everything is just digitized. And uh, I'm repeating myself from the previous days, but really climate change is what they're going to use to put forward this system. Nor your your reporting yesterday or the day before was was dead spot on. Today on on all media, they're connecting also climate change and others with mental health and particularly mental mental health of uh, of younger people. Are are they are they that blatant over there? Is mental health because I know they've got climate change and kind of our savior is going to be AI, but they're also getting into this mental health thing all day today, kind of carpet bombing it. On, on the both CNN, MSNBC, all the major papers. Is is that also a big element, as you reported before, oh. that you're seeing this whole issue of mental health? Absolutely. There's a spe- specific panel today dedicated on that very topic. And this goes hand in hand on a larger scale with the whole demoralization, brainwashing techniques of the 20th century, um, these mass psychological operations that they that they launch on the population and it's very obvious with the example of climate change they've essentially brainwashed our generation to be so terrified about this so-called climate change and again it's always the same playbook they use fear as the mechanism to then force these policies on a willing uh, population who are just so terrified that they'll accept these savior-like propositions uh, that they put forward. It's, again, the same playbook, um, problem, reaction, solution, and climate change, just as a so-called pandemic, uh, is one of those cases. 
you know, that gets to your first point about the spirit of 1776. If anything, from the spirit of 1776, that one third of Americans that really were patriots and fought that one of the it's 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 not simply liberty and freedom. It's the grit and cussedness and determination that you're going to take on all odds to do that. Is that what you're saying? That's the counter. They're trying to break that. That's the spirit they're trying to break. And they, and they come at you with all these massive, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a poly crisis, whether it's climate crisis and, and, and all the young people are, are, are somehow got to be on some sort of drug because they're completely depressed. Is that the spirit of 1776 they're trying to crush? Absolutely. 100% Steve. And I come back, you know, to my letter to America where I specifically talked about this point where they captured so many aspects of our society, modes of communication, education system. And it just breaks my heart when I see, you know, this, these younger generations of Americans who know very little about their history. But that is exactly by design because an uninformed population is a population that is easily controlled. And we are all, um, I mean, the population at large has just been lulled in this complacency and apathy and just willingness to accept these measures without knowing that they're signing themselves up to the slaughterhouse because we are completely uneducated. Again, we come back to the topics of education, but precisely as well, censorship and uh, the stranglehold that the globalists have on the media. And this as well is a very important theme here at Davos throughout the week with panels on disinformation and distrust to share the titles of two of those the clear and present danger of disinformation, which took place yesterday with, you know, Brian Stelter. We know on which side uh, he's on. And then there's another one called disrupting distrust. So um, shaping narratives and controlling narratives is a major theme as well this week, because we did such a good job. Um, those of us who are calling out these machinations over the past few years, as we mentioned the other day, to the point where they're changing the nomenclature um, that uh, we can for sure expect further efforts to crack down on our speech. And this, I don't know who, which Aino was it yesterday who was talking yeah. about um, free speech and uh, how we have to curb Munchkin or Manchkin or Manchin, <clears throat> Munchkin we should call him, I guess, um, who was talking <laughs> Munchkin, about right. this. And, uh, yeah. and uh, no, free speech is absolutely the cornerstone and what will uh, save us. So that's why I'm fighting so hard for America because you are yeah. the I, the blocker to the globalist agenda. Uh, Nora, hang on for one second. I know it's cold, but just hang on for one second. Short commercial break at Nora Bin Laden. We have Larry, Alex Taunton in Davos, and of course Steve Cortez. All next, right here. Keep it tuned in to the war room. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden, more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, the deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer, by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text Bannon to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. Text Bannon to 989898 and claim your free, no-obligation info kit. Don't let the left devalue your savings. 
own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bannon to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. Room and the, the news publishing perspective, and then we'll work our way toward uh, some of the uh, political uh, parts of the conversation. Uh, how does this discussion of disinformation relate to everything else happening here today in Davos? Um, well, first, uh, thanks for having me as, as part of this conversation. As you can imagine, this is something I really care deeply about. So I, th- I think if you look at, at um, this question of disinformation, I think it maps basically to every other <laughs> major challenge that we are grappling with as a society, and particularly the most existential among them. So disinformation and, and the broader set of Misinformation, conspiracy, propaganda, clickbait, you know, the, the, the broader um, mix of bad information that's corrupting the information ecosystem. What it attacks is trust. And once you see trust decline, uh, what you then see um, is uh, societies start to fracture. And so you see people fracture along tribal lines and, um, and, uh, and you know, that immediately undermines pluralism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the undermining of pluralism is probably the most dangerous thing that can happen to a democracy. So I really, I think if, if you know, if you're spending this week thinking about the health of democracies and democratic erosion, I think it's really important to work your way back up to where this starts. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're worried about that. That's where we control the House. And now, uh, as media is reporting, we control all the important committees. Uh, and this is all about the debt ceiling. This is about money, power, and control. Okay. And we're in fifth generation warfare, or as the Chinese Communist Party calls it, unrestricted warfare. This is the uh, psyops information war cyber part of that, uh, war. This is the way we also cut the defense budget with economic warfare. You can cut a hundred billion dollars out of the defense budget. Disinformation, misinformation. Steve Cortez, Brian Stelter. A long way from Towson State to now the Harvard Politics Institute. Uh, that little Clint Humpty Dumpty is, is resurrected himself at Davos leading a disinformation. Right. For the audience, for the audience particularly, what I want you to do is go back to impeachment, to pandemic, what you've watched and listened to the last couple of years. You're thinking adults weigh and measure what you hear in the war room and about all the topics we talk about and how the mainstream media covers it. It's a free country. Just weigh and measure it. You come to your own conclusion. You talk about disinformation, misinformation, and clown information, but Nor's right. It's all narrative control. Is it not, Steve Cortez? 100%. And, you know, who knew, right, that we would need Davos to resurrect and bring back the potato, Brian Stelter? Uh, He's back. And by the way, the audacity of Stelter and then the editor of the New York Times, Salzberger, to be talking to us, to be lecturing us about the truth from news organizations, formerly CNN, currently New York Times, for example, among the many hoaxes that they have perpetrated for years, the entire Russia hoax 
fiasco, one gigantic lie uh, that continued throughout the Trump presidency, which was inflicted on the American people largely by those very corrupt institutions and those platforms. And by the way, speaking of uh, and anyone who uses the term disinformation or misinformation, tune them out immediately, okay? Because that is somebody who is trying to force narrative down your throat, and they're going to use the guise of supposedly cleansing the information uh, highway to, to do it. So that the, the phrase in and of itself is absurd. By the way, speaking of lack of trust in media, if we can show chart number one. I want to show this over time. This is a poll from Gallup that goes back 50 years, all the way to the early 1970s. And they ask a simple question, do you have trust in corporate media, in mainstream media? That number has been cascading lower for decades. It has, in fact, been cut in half. The number of people who say they have a great deal of trust in media uh, 50 years ago, it was 68% of Americans, a strong supermajority. That is the top line, the darkest green line there on the chart. 68% said they had a great deal of trust. That has been cut in half to only 34%. The lower line, uh, the dotted one at the bottom there, that's sort of the lime green line, people saying that they have no trust, none in media. That number was only 6% in the early 1970s. It is now 38%. More than six times higher who say they have no trust in the corporate media. Uh, Steve, it's terrible news for the country. It is great news for your show, though, because it shows why your show is so badly needed, why it is so successful, so wildly popular. I travel a lot everywhere I go all over the United States. Uh, strangers introduce themselves to me and immediately start talking about how important this show, The War Room, is to them and how proud they are to be part of The War Room Posse. So you are doing great work uh, in a field that is unfortunately entirely corrupted, basically outside of this show. I've got the easiest job in the world. All we have is a platform we provide for the, some of the smartest uh, commentators, analysts, and contributors, guys like yourself. Let's go. I want to go to Nor uh, off of that. Nor, uh, how was Stelter and, and Salzberger uh, received? Uh, I take it the the minions of uh, 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 Davos, the Grundoons, Davos man, is lapping this up uh, nonstop on uh, on on the narrative on the narrative that the extremist. That, that the MAGA extremists are, are, what did Salzberger say with knitted brow? This misinformation and disinformation is the core of every major issue today, ma'am. Listen, all these people get the red carpet rolled out to them. And as I said yesterday, they're all drunk on their, uh, their scraps of power. But for sure, especially Americans who are, who are actively working against their own country, uh, in favor of helping push the globalist agenda uh they are they are being treated very well here much better than independent journalists calling out uh the globalists uh, machinations and uh and speaking badly in their eyes of uh, the of the forum and itself and the agenda and uh, Nor, uh to that your, point uh, just one thing go ahead to that point yep. speaking sure. again about the anos and the panel they had yesterday i mean uh, they were so unhinged and that Salazar woman was so unhinged how she was speaking about Americans and how they should keep bankrolling this manufactured crisis in Ukraine like without any limits because, you know, she's from Cuba and so understands something about communism, supposedly. But the thing that I just want to say to wrap up in more in general terms is that here at the WEF, there's one thing that we have to understand is that they, with the capture of all the information ecosystem, as they mentioned on the panel yesterday, 
they are using the illusion of openness and transparency to push controlled change while quelling public distrust. And so everything about the disinformation and misinformation industry, uh, as, they, as, they, as they've coined it, is about just keeping the naive public uninformed so that they just can keep pushing their control change on us. No, what they feed off of is low information voters. And that's why we, in the show, we try to pump out as much information, the immersive experience as possible. If you get the information, you will understand how they kind of control you and quite frankly, how, how to basically crush you economically so they can live uh, better. Uh, Nor, how do I know you're putting stuff up all day long. We're trying to get you back on the evening show. How, how do people get to you? Yeah, and this is something that the founding fathers understood perfectly well, how important and how much of a cornerstone free speech was for precisely that reason. So my handle, both on Getter and Twitter, is at Norbin Laden. Thanks so much for having me on, Steve. Nor, thank you so much. Great, great reporting. Uh, by the way, uh, Cortez, she nailed Salazar. We're going to get to Salazar after the break because I know you've got a particular, we only, we could only get a small clip of her madness. But, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a beautiful to behold. And remember, she's a Republican. Let's go to, uh, Larry Alex Taunton, who's also there with Fixed Point. Uh, Larry, you wrote some great pieces over at Daily Wire in the lead up to this about Klaus Schwab, uh, in, in the, in all of Davos and what they're trying to do with the World Economic Forum. Has actually being there in person lived up to your expectations? Uh, both yes and no, uh, Steve. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, <laughs> this, this kind of reminds me of that old Bond movie, you know, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And you have, uh, you have, you know, Kojak, Telly Savalas, you know, petting the cat high in his alpine retreat. You know, that's what Davos is. You know, it's, it's just a, a ski town like any other ski town that you would find, uh, a little ski village that you would find scattered throughout the Alps and, uh, and the Pyrenees. However, um, you know, kind of what's disappointing when you get here is that it's, you know, it's, it doesn't quite live up to your, your, all of your expectations. And yet getting here, Steve, I immediately understood a few things that I, that I just simply couldn't understand from far away. And one of those things is why the John Kerry's and the, you know, Gretchen Whitmer's and, you know, people like that want to come here. And you realize that it's because here, where they're not popular at home, I don't know that they could, you know, attract flies, you know, at a, uh, you know, at a luncheon, you know, at least not in my state. Um, but here they're treated like rock stars. I mean, this is the Oscars for globalist politicians. And you, you sense that when you're here because you have all these young people, you know, walking around with their, their uh, World Economic Forum swag and wearing hats that say things like, you know, silly things like, I'm a global citizen, <laughs> you know, and, and, and this kind of thing. And they're all trying to get a look at these people who are part of the globalist pantheon. And, you know, those are, those are just things you, just, you were not going to perceive from being far away. You needed to be here to see it. 
and incredibly perceptive. And tell you, Larry, hang on for a second. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. I got Cortez. We got a lot more clips. We're gonna talk about the economy, big news coming out of there in the capital markets. We're gonna get to all that. But I think Larry said something. It is the the Oscars of globalization, as the as the uh, Economist tells us, which is the uh, the trade magazine for Davos, the World Economic Forum. They're nervous. Because globalization is coming apart. Why is it coming apart? Because of populism, nationalism, America first. Uh, people want the manufacturing jobs back here. They want protectionism. They want high value added jobs. And, uh, the, the globalist project is over. Of course, we're going to fight tooth and nail in that every day. They're not just going to give up. They have power. They have control and they have money and lots of it. That's the whole thing about the debt ceiling. Debt ceiling fight is to stop using your credit card. They're using your credit card to destroy you. Think about that for a second. That's the whole purpose of this fight. If you pull the camera back, they're using your credit card to destroy you, your family, and future generations. Short break. Larry Alex Taunton is in Davos. Steve Cortez is riding shotgun. We'll be back. Fair warning. Listen to this convicted home title thief explaining what happens when he forges your home's title and takes over as the new owner. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance. It's in my name. Or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. You're living in a delusion. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, it's 60 to 90 days for that person to even figure out that they're the victim of this crime. You start getting foreclosure notices. You've got four mortgages on your house. You don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Home title fraud is growing two and a half times faster than credit card fraud. You could be a victim and not even know it. Here's how to protect yourself and verify your home's title is still in your name. Visit HomeTitleLock.com promo code radio. Then register your address for your no obligation home title report. A hundred dollar value you get for free. Again, get your free home title report at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. Because not only we need those hands, like the Congress, like us, a senator was saying, but we need to also give dignity to those people who are in the country. And those are the people that I represent. We're talking about 13, 15 million people who are most of them Hispanics, I would say 85%, who speak my language, look like me, and sound like me that are contributing with the economy of this country and they live in the shadows. So it's time to seal the border, like she said, put order, let's see who comes in and who doesn't, and then turn around and give dignity. That doesn't mean path to citizenship, that means to include them and make them dignified members of our community. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Steve Cortez, she said a lot of crazy things. Uh, by the way, there's 20 yeah. to 25 million. We've let in right. five million. Her numbers are just off. You ought to get the math right if you're going to talk. And it, d- d- trust me, she's talking about amnesty. She's talking about full citizenship. Don't let her fool you for a second. Uh, right. Steve Cortez, you've been at the tip of the spear on this. She's a, she is a particular burr under your saddle, sir. Uh, yes, she is because she claims to represent the Hispanic citizens of the United States. And she does not because Hispanic citizens, contrary to media narrative, contrary uh, to the musings of Representative Salazar, we are not soft on border issues or soft on migration. The tens of millions of Hispanic citizens of this country who came to this country overwhelmingly by legal means 
Uh, we are just as interested, just as committed to border security and to the integrity of the sovereignty of the United States as any other ethnicity, as any other race in the United States. The fact that Salazar is a Republican is really a disgrace. It's also a disgrace that she comes from the great state of Florida. Florida has given us such amazing Republican America first leaders from the fantastic governor, the best governor in America, Ron DeSantis, to representatives like uh, Byron Donalds and Matt Gates. It, it's a state, the Sunshine State has blessed this country with amazing elected officials. And then we turn to Salazar, somebody who needs to be primary. Look, she always prioritizes illegal migrants who trespassed into this country. That is the reality. The reality is those illegal migrants are competing in the labor market unlawfully and unjustly against American citizens and thereby depressing wages in an era where we are suffering from 21 straight months of declining real wages because of the inflation and low growth crisis that Biden has inflicted upon this country. Uh, look, open borders are always a terrible idea, but it's a particularly pernicious and awful idea in a time of intense economic anxiety for working class people in this country. So Salazar is totally wrong on this issue. And as Nor mentioned in the previous seg segment, she's also just as wrong on Ukraine. Remember that she's the one who had a disastrous interview with Tucker Carlson after she called for the U.S. to directly militarily intervene and enforce a no-fly zone in Ukraine, which would end us up in World War III in a hot second. Uh, if that were to be instituted. So she's reckless, she's incredibly liberal, and she's obviously a very committed globalist who doesn't give a crap about her district. That's why she's over in Davos spewing nonsense to fellow globalists rather than protecting and advancing and advocating for the prerogatives of American citizens from her district. The power of this show, we had Gallagher, uh, who is going to, you know, Gallagher is, and I've got a lot of questions about Gallagher, too. He's a Marine Corps officer, very good man, but too much of a neocon, a little bit too much Tom Cottony. And, uh, you know, he's going to head the China panel, and you got to get focused on the CCP. He was going to Davos, and, uh, you know, we highlighted in the show on our getter. Other people did, too. He, you know, waved off. The reason that and I want to go to Larry Alex Taunton, who brought this amazing point. The people you're seeing there are backbenchers here, and they really kind of they they don't get a lot of coverage because, quite frankly, what they try to sell here is not sellable. But they go to Davos, and you see these backbenchers like Mickey Sherrill and uh, like Mickey Sherrill and uh, and Salazar, and they're treated like rock stars and given big platforms. The reason is they are rabid globalists. Larry Alex Taunton, is that the narrative that they're selling nonstop over there as globalization is still alive and kicking? Oh yes, you know, hugely, and that America is all in. That uh, you know that Americans are all in on globalization. Uh, that's the narrative here, and you can see that that they're leaning into you know like a cat being scratched behind their ear. You know the 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 warmth reception that they receive here because they're perceived to be um, you know on the cutting edge of globalization. But you know there's a there's another element to this, Steve, and I, I really enjoyed, uh, appreciated what Noor had to say earlier because she's been she's been inside, you know, listening to some of the panelists. I've been moving quietly among the attendees. I mean, we have more than fifty heads of state, more than a hundred, you know, billionaires here, and there, you know, more than six hundred CEOs, you know, who have, who have attended this, and they're getting the bulk of the attention. But you know, there are almost three thousand attendees. I mean. 
uh, Davos is crazy, you know, it's insanity, you know, what all that's going on there, you know, automobiles can barely move. And I became very interested with the young people that you see, you know, who are here and sitting and listening to them and having conversations with some of the panelists who are on, you know, some of the less premier stages, you know, they're not marquee names, but they're people who are, you know, discussing globalization and, uh, uh, artificial intelligence and these kind of things. And it's fascinated me because what you hear from them, and again, not really identifying myself or my own agenda, they're just assuming I'm just another guy, you know, another globalist, you know, that is here to worship the same pantheon that they do. But they all begin the conversations, Steve, with, you know, the, the kind of, you know, nonsense rhetoric that that the World Economic Forum is putting out. And, and, and if you want to be a real insider, by the way, you know, at the next soiree you attend with globalists, it's WEF. They all say WEF. That's, that's, that's the way they speak it. And as they say it, uh, you know, off the German tongue, it, it comes out, you know, a little bit like a, uh, a, a slightly exasperated hump. But at the WEF, you have, you have these people who are all using the language of globalization and they keep using the word sustainability, the sustainability of this, the sustainability of that, and so on and so forth. But when you start drilling down and asking them questions, you know, do you have any skepticism about the use of AI? How about population, you know, reduction of population? Um, that's when they begin to speak in hushed tones and they begin to acknowledge some of their own misgivings about what the World Economic Forum stands for. And when you start, you start really pushing them on points like, I mean, you do understand, you know, this came out of the Club of, of Rome's, you know, white paper, the, the predicament of mankind and the limits to growth and the, you know, the first global revolution, you know, the, all of these papers, all of them having the same thing, uh, the same thesis, and that is overpopulation. And these themes they're, they're kind of discussed on the fringes, but seldom do they make it into the, into the main sessions. But everybody knows that really is the driving force of what the West is really about. And some of these young people who are hangers-on, they're a little bit like groupies. Um, they need more attention because those are the people who are being seduced by a lot of these kinds of ideas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they I mean, become the, the influencers. This is where you get the Greta's. Exactly. They're, they're, they, they don't understand what secular utopianism really is, and that all of this nonsense has been tried before. I mean, there's really nothing new about the ideas that are being pushed here. And you see, you begin to understand, Steve, another thing, you know, hanging out here that's, that you begin to discover is that, you know, Schwab is an engineer, you know, and he uses the language of an engineer. We will build it, you know, this, this kind of language. Well, most of the attendees are also technocrats just like him. Yeah. And you understand why the World Economic Forum lacks a moral core. And it's because they've really ignored the humanities and they've utterly ignored religion. And what they, they do a good job of saying, you know, that they're having dialogue and conversations with, with people who represent other viewpoints. But at the end of the day, they really don't. Yeah. And so the World Economic Forum, no, it's a, it's a, it, it's, 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 it's it's a counter, yeah, it's a counter, it's a counter religion, and you're very perceptive. This is why the spirit of 1776, remember, was grounded, grounded in the Judeo-Christian West. 
yep. and the tenets of that. And that's what they, 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 Larry, it's fantastic. We're heavy back on Larry, Alex Taunton. How do people get to you during the day? What, where, how are you live streaming or how do they get to you? Uh, what is your social media? Yeah, they can uh, reach me on Twitter at Larry Taunton, T-A-U-N-T-O-N. And they can also go to my website at Larry Alex Taunton. Uh, dot com. So, Steve, it's great to be with you. I really enjoyed it. And Cortez, I look forward to smoking a good yeah. Cuban cigar with you again sometime. <laughs> Larry, you thank you so much, brother. You keep, All right, bye-bye. You, you keep hanging out with the – we, uh, we had the inside story and the outside story. Uh, Cortez, uh, Larry Alex Taunton it gets to the, the basic point here. You know, Klaus Schwab is a precision engineer. And you know, a lot of Davos man are the, the, the Grundoons and the, the, the spear holders in the, in the banks and the, in the in, in information business are technocrats. They're, they're trained as MBAs. They're trained in the technology of finance. They're trained in the technology of high tech. It lacks, it, it's not that it lacks a moral core. What it's trying to do is shift away from the moral right. core of the Judeo Christian West, get the technology part. Steve Cortez. No, correct. They're, they're not agnostics. They are highly religious. Uh, they're incredibly devoted to secular humanism um, as their faith. And in that regard, really, Davos is kind of the mecca of multilateralism, uh, where they are all worshiping at the altar uh, of largely sustainability. That is really the buzzword that they often use uh, as the excuse, as it were, to pursue this utopian technocratic vision um, of, of a secular humanist world. And it, of course, disregards the soul. It disregards the family, tradition, private property, faith, all the things that bind an actual strong society together. So we need to be very realistic about what Davos is and what its, what its aims are. Uh, and by the way, you know, to your point, Steve, it's not working. That's the reality, okay? It is not working particularly economically for people around the world. Not my opinion. That is the opinion of the masses worldwide. As we mentioned yesterday on the show, Edelman, uh, the communications giant, international giant, they do a worldwide survey. They've done it every year since the year 2000. Uh, tens of thousands of people all over the world and asked a very simple question. Are you going to be better off in five years than you are today? Well, unfortunately, here in the United States, only 36% of Americans believe that they're going to be better off. That is the lowest in the history of the survey. But America's hardly alone in that predicament. As a matter of fact, out of the 28 countries that were surveyed, 24 of them hit a new all-time low for the survey. Half of the countries, 14 out of the 28, declined on that question of economic optimism, declined by double digits, Steve, from just last year. So it's not just that people are pessimistic and that they're losing hope in their own personal economic future. It's also that the trend is accelerating downward. The trend is worsening dramatically. This is the failure of globalism. It has been magnificent for those who are who are part of the credentialed elite, who are part of the ruling class, uh, the cronies who are gathering right now in Davos to toast each other with expensive champagne. It's been great for them. Okay, they have devised a system that works very well for their self-aggrandizement, but it has been misery for the masses globally. And again, I'm most focused, of course, here on the United States, America first always. And here in the United States, the deplorables have suffered from decades of globalism. They were starting to get a respite, thankfully, under the leadership of President Trump that was then rudely interrupted by the China virus. We need to get back to that era, to that era of protectionism. You mentioned it before, Steve. Protectionism is not a dirty word, even though a lot of Republican establishment figures yeah. want to think it is. We should be protecting the prerogatives and interests of American industry and of American workers against 
predatory trade yeah. against the Chinese uh, Communist Party, which uses its own yeah. either slave or quasi-slave labor yeah. to manipulate the market. Steve, hang on for one second. Uh, you talked about uh, the core of the Judeo-Christian West, the family, virtue, all of it, self-determination. Um, that's the, that, in Davos, that's extremist talk. You're now officially an extremist. You talk about sustainability. This is what we say about the debt ceiling. How is it sustainable? Yeah, I don't think so. Only if you increase the credit card. Okay, we're going to get it all to it. Cortez on the other side. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. It's sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want download now yeah it's the insanity of the building behind me which is a real insanity let's not minimize that and a little bit is us in our business uh we in the media i think we we've been a little too negative frankly and i include myself in some of that and there's a lot of negative stuff to write about and so i'm not saying we're wrong but i think one of the things you've seen is a radical rise 150 percent rise in the number of headlines that are meant to make people fearful and angry and there's a lot of angry stuff to be going on. But I think we uh, we we like if it bleeds, it leads. And we want to get attention that way. Mm. But we don't pay enough attention to the stuff that's going on, especially in localities. One of the things that's a, a glory of this country is we're just incredibly innovative people. We're just very energetic. So there's something called the Global Innovation Index. And the United States ranks second in the world in how innovative we are after Switzerland. Uh, and that, that's and that's David Burks. But, but I just want to make sure in narrative you understand. They're making the case that, you know, it's the extremist and all the all the really bad people that are, uh, you know, putting these negative uh, narratives out there and everything's great. The economy's great. And it's just all about the debt ceiling they're, because they understand the leverage is with us. And they're trying to make the case that you're going to destroy an economy that's roaring back. Cort- Cortez, and I want to get to sustainability. They do talk about sustainability and Davos is a big issue about sustainability. Uh, about mm-hmm. the, you know, the environment and everything dealing with that, the sustainability. 
Um, but talk about the sustainability of the financial and economic model we have here in this right. country because you're seeing mm-hmm. the biggest – you're seeing the guys are at the core of information and particularly projecting out. You're seeing Goldman Sachs and the rest of Wall Street, massive layoffs, biggest layoffs in their history, even bigger than 2008. And you've got Microsoft drops the bomb with 10,000 10, high-paying jobs laid off today. So give us your assessment of uh, the sustainability of their model and, and, and tie right. it back to David Brooks's happy talk. Sure. Well, David Brooks there is trying the Jedi mind trick, right? These aren't the droids you're looking for, trying to convince you, no, things are actually fine. Uh, things are far from fine, particularly as it relates to the economy. And again, not my opinion, the overwhelming opinion of the vast majority of Americans. David Brooks, in his own article, by the way, I'll give him some credit, at least for this. In his own article, he cites a Gallup survey uh, asking people if the country is on the right track. Only 17 percent said yes, that's it. And to put that in context, by the way, I went back and looked, Gallup, that number was 70% in the year 2000. So think of what has happened in the last two decades. I would argue largely because of globalization, largely because of what we have allowed and in fact invited the CCP to do to the United States over the last two decades. But we went from 70% of the American people saying we're on the right track to only 17%. Separate survey just put out from CBS News asked, Uh, If things were going, quote, very well in the country, only 7%. That's it, Steve. 7% of Americans say things are going very well. And I will guarantee you those 7%, by the way, are overwhelmingly liberals with advanced degrees who live uh, in coastal suburbs. I will guarantee people who benefit from globalism. Um, That's the reality. But to this point of sustainability, too, of the economic model, no, Steve, it is totally unsustainable to have $30 trillion of debt now that we are in an inflationary era with rising interest rates. That debt was uh, sustainable for a time because only because of interest rate repression, because of artificially low interest rates, because of the massive, historic, unprecedented intervention of the Federal Reserve, keeping interest rates low so that we effectively got away with acting incredibly recklessly with our profligacy regarding borrowing and spending. We cannot get away with it any longer. That is simply the reality right now. The service payments alone on the debt are going to become the single largest item in the entire U.S. budget. Yeah. Bigger than Social Security, bigger than Medicare, bigger than the defense yeah. budget. We are on track for that uh, and soon. That's why, Steve, this showdown over the debt ceiling is so critical. This is the pressure point. This is the leverage that the U.S. This, House has, yeah. and it must be used. This is because in this fight, everything else will become the administrative state, the scale of government, all of it. You get the 30 trillion. You also have the nine and a half trillion dollars over at the, at the, at the, at the Fed on their balance sheet with no congressional authorization. We now have nine and a half trillion and Mercatus has got this paper out saying, Hey, it's not like the old days where they could kind of sell these bonds and make some money and punt that back into the treasury to make up gaps in funding. We got a trillion dollar hole because, and this goes back to your point. You've done such a great job of putting this back to people's lives. The sixteen and a half trillion dollars of household credit, you know, the credit cards. Now that's exploding. So people look at your own experience. That's what's happening to the federal government. This right. thing was when it was negative zero, uh, in, uh, negative interest rates or zero interest rates. You could keep adding this up, and there was no penalty to pay. Those days are over, are they not? Uh, Mr. Cortez, $1 trillion we're looking at is now going to be the payment, and that's going to have to just be more money printed. Steve Cortez. Right. 
No, and you're exactly correct. Uh, the, the, the federal government benefited previously from the Fed making money on the way up, right? Because as it was buying bonds, it was forcing the price of bonds up. Um, and it's, but it's sort of like a snake eating its tail. And we, we knew that that would be temporary. Once you have to unwind that massive portfolio and start to bring down the Fed balance sheet, the opposite is happening. The Fed is now starting to lose money. So it is no longer making those transfer payments over to the U.S. Treasury, uh, which helped the federal government spend more than it brought in. Uh, that we, we've lost that effect. The, look, the, the reality economically, too, right now is that it's not just the U.S. is slowing down massively. The entire world is, Steve. Overnight, we got news out of China. According to official statistics, China's GDP only grew at 3%. Of course, we don't even believe that number. But the point is, that's 3% versus the government target of 5.5%. So it's a massive miss versus 8.1% last year. China's economy is cratering. The United States, Europe, and China, the three major economic centers of the world right now, we are seeing a, a, a synchronous slowdown. That is the economic yeah. reality. Uh, that is the global backdrop. Yeah. Things are bad. They are getting worse. And they're trying to pitch that, oh, no, China's going to grow at 6%. Look, we're going to break it down. 6 o'clock tonight, we're actually going to go through this in excruciating detail so you fully understand it. Uh, Steve, how do people get to you? Remember, Thursday, tomorrow's when we hit the debt ceiling. The uh, Secretary of Treasury is not here. She's, you know, she's somewhere out in the rest of the world. Uh, being a globalist. Uh, Steve, how do people get to you on your social media, sir? Yes, please check out my Chalk Talks and my latest Substack, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Cortez, Steve Cortez with an S. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Okay, short break. We're going to come back. Uh, the uh, defense filed their papers in the Kerry Lake uh, situation. Christina Bob's going to explain that. We're trying to track down Rudy. May have another technical problem. We're going to eventually get to Rudy. We've got... Uh, Seagal Chata, who's come out hard on the RNC whole race. We're going to get to that. Also, Davos had a big panel today on artificial intelligence, the impact on your life. Joe Allen will be here. We're also going to go down to Central America, all next in the world. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly seven hundred thousand americans every year yes heart disease is the number one killer every year year in and year out heart disease builds over time hypertension high blood pressure bad cholesterol diabetes all of it affects our heart a healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older it is never too early to take care of your heart you see heart disease sneaks up on us you can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplug Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, 
and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. 